0: Show you've done for Woody is the king who conquered rain. Woody is the lamb hallelujah In the middle of the victory i raise a hallelujah Louder than the other fiend i raise a hallelujah Hallelujah You're gonna hear my praises roar. And up from the ashes, hope will arise. And death is defeated, the king is alive. That was such an awesome time of worship. But we want to continue in our worship this morning through giving. We try to make that as easy as possible for you. So go ahead on over to our mobile app or our website. If you're new here with us today, we wanna to get connected. So go ahead and text connect to the number on your screen. If you're wondering how you can get more involved here with us at MBCC, we wanna let you know how to serve. So if you wanna get some information on that, go ahead and text serve to the number on your screen. It's time to jump into the Word with Pastor Mike. We're really excited to hear what he has to say. So let's head on over.
1: Welcome back to Mission Vale Christian Church. We are back in the Word again in a series called Jesus Uncensored. Well, today we're going to be in Mark chapter two, verses one to twelve. And the reason that I chose this title and decided to go through this, I really felt like the Lord was uh, impressing upon me that we, as Christ followers, need to take Jesus at His Word. And following Him doesn't always mean that it's going to be easy. I think often we make kind of a cultural Jesus. We don't want Jesus to ask too much of us. We don't want him to impose on us. And therefore, we kind of let things slide that maybe he said that we really don't need to follow him. And so therefore, we censor a lot of the things that Jesus said, which we can't do that. We're missing a blessing. We're missing God's favor. We're missing his hand on us when we kind of just pick and choose what we want. Now, this particular passage is one of my favorites. And I I just believe before we get into this, that the premise for what I want to talk about is life's. Biggest opportunities, and I truly believe this, aren't always obvious. Life's biggest opportunities are not always obvious. Sometimes they're hidden. I'm just remembering back when I first got married, my wife and I um, were looking for ministry. I wanted to be a a youth pastor, and we were looking for places here in South County, and nothing just came up, and it seemed like kind of a dead end. I was really getting discouraged. Well, I got a call from uh, uh, my youth pastor who started a church in Hawaii, and he says, hey, man, our church is growing out here on Oahu. We need to have a youth pastor. And I think that you ought to come out and serve as our high school, junior high and college age pastor. Will you come? And I just remember dropping everything and say, oh, my gosh, Lord, you are amazing. Not only have you called us to Hawaii, but you called us to serve young people, which we absolutely loved every moment of that. But when I, why I chose to talk about that is I may have missed that opportunity if I was going down a road That was easy or I chose for myself rather than, okay, God, I trust you in this plan, even though I don't like it and I don't understand it. God had something so much better for us and we loved every minute of it. I think about people that Jesus called. I'm thinking about Moses. I'm calling you to deliver my people from Egypt. And here's a staff in your hand. Now go. I'm thinking about Abraham when God called him to a new place and said, hey, sell all your stuff, pack what you have. I'm leading you to a place I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. You need to trust me and live in faith. I'm thinking about Gideon, who literally was hanging out in a wine press, and God called him to lead this incredible army. It was just an amazing feat that God chose common people for a great purpose, and oftentimes those moments were hidden in the background. Now, in the book of Mark, chapter 2, 1 to 12, Jesus is on his way in ministry, In fact, most of the places that Jesus hung out was in Galilee, in that surrounding area. One of the towns that he spent most of his time was Capernaum. Capernaum was the largest town on the Sea of Galilee. It was significant. It was uh, high lucrative. There was a lot of uh, business deals going on there. Everybody knew. And Jesus, when he was there, gathered thousands, I believe, people to him, not just because he wanted them to hear the gospel, but word got out about what Jesus was doing. Jesus was healing people. He was driving out demons. He was performing miracles. He was preaching as he is the word. Jesus was an amazing, just, he loved everybody right where they were. He forgave everybody. He brought a new commandment. He brought the kingdom of God. And of course he is the word. And that was so attractive that Jesus, some commentators believe that they were just literally pressing into Jesus at every town that he traveled in. So that's why it says often Jesus withdrew to the lonely places because there were crowds of people everywhere. In chapter two, this is where we find Jesus. He was at a home. He was teaching the word. Of course, we know Jesus is the word. So he was proclaiming the word with authority. And it says that there were so many people gathered around that, that nobody could even get Inside the house, there were people outside hanging uh, into the windows. People were on the outskirts in the streets, just hanging on every word that Jesus spoke. So I'm going to pick that up here, and we're going to see where God leads these incredible opportunities that oftentimes we miss. And I'm praying and hoping you can step into what God wants you to step into as we listen to the word. So it says, now, a few days later, when Jesus entered again Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.' Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, that's a key word in the book of Mark, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This man is amazing. Amazing. There are four doors that I want us to see here. I want you to just imagine with me as we read this text, these guys have a friend who's paralyzed. We don't know much about the man probably quadriplegic because he was on a stretcher, he was on a mat, and they have this incredible wild idea that if Jesus could drive out demons, if he could feed the 5,000, if he could do all these things, he can heal our friend. We believe he could do that. And whatever it takes, man, we're going to get this man, our friend, to Jesus. So the first door, when they come up, the first door that they encounter is disappointment. There's no room in the house. There's no room outside in the, in the front yard, the backyard. There's too many people. Nobody's letting us in. I don't know if they tried to, as they're carrying their friend, tried to press through the crowd, doesn't say. But if they allowed disappointment to rule this moment, they would have missed the opportunity that God had for them. And I just got to imagine these guys standing around going, man, there's got to be a way. Even if there's one guy out of the four, who had the guts enough to say, there has got to be a way to get our friend to Jesus. There's, there's, there's no way in. Wait a minute. What about if we bring him down through the roof? Now to us, that sounds through the roof, but in biblical days, they would have single story dwelling and they would literally have straw and hay and mud and thatch and these long beams that went across the small houses that people lived in in Capernaum. And so as they get this guy up on the roof, literally they're having to just... Uh, scrape away this, 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 this roof, this thatch roof. And Jesus, I can just imagine was in his most incredible moment, teaching the people in the town of Capernaum. And all of a sudden there's straw and mud and thatch and tile starting to break through. And it falls down right in front of Jesus. And, and, and I just, in this moment, I think, man, these guys could have lived in disappointment. They could have said, well, it's not our day to have a miracle. It's not our time. It wasn't God's will for us. To bring our friend to Jesus. If they would have stopped, man, they would have missed it. Here's my question Do a lot of us get stuck in our walk, in our faith with Jesus, because oftentimes we are living in a disappointed state? We got to get people to Jesus Christ. In fact, it takes faith. I just want us to notice in verse five. As this man is lowered down right in front of Jesus, notice that the very first thing that Jesus says to him is, Son, your sins are forgiven. That tells me the most important thing to God is our soul. Of course, Jesus cares about our physical life. He created us. But but what really matters to him is our soul because we know that the Bible teaches us that we live forever. And the question is, where are we going to spend eternity? That's why Jesus came Jesus came and He did miracles to validate the fact that He is the Son of God, that He's God in flesh, that He's God Almighty in flesh, and therefore He is the one that God sent from heaven to save us from our sins. That's the beauty of this text. The the, the beauty of this text is that they didn't live because they were possibly disappointed for a moment. They pressed in, they looked for a way, they looked for an opportunity, and obviously God did this incredible miracle. Now, personally, I can understand maybe one or two or three or four of these guys because I'm kind of wired that way. I don't take no for an answer. I know it drives my family crazy. You know, some of my friends are like, I just don't give up. And I guess my father just kind of ingrained in me. You know, you never give up, persevere, keep going. You know, you can do it. And I just, I just, I see the vision and there's got to be a way to get in there. Whatever it takes, man, we got to get our friend to Jesus. We got to find a way even when it seems like there's no way. Notice that God's invitations might be through distraction and disruption. God's greatest invitations can be through distractions and disruption. Jesus did not allow this distraction to become a distraction, but Jesus allowed this, what may others have seen a distraction, he allowed it to be an opportunity for people to see God. Here's a question I have if you're a follower of Christ. Are you willing to get your hands dirty for Jesus? Are you willing to get into somebody else's mess so that they can see Jesus? These guys, man, I love these guys because they're willing to do the abnormal. They're willing to do the crazy just to get someone to Jesus Christ. I love it, which leads us to door number two. Door number two brings opposition. When you really press in, and do what God's calling you to do and look for an opportunity and are spirit led in that, you might hit some opposition. There were people in that crowd. We don't know exactly how many people, but there were just people everywhere. There were some religious leaders. There were Pharisees and even some Sadducees and scribes. And the only reason they were there was to trip up Jesus. They were trying to entrap him. So there's always going to be those who are resistant. There are always going to be those who are in opposition. When you step out, and follow Jesus this is this is just what I think God is saying to us here is that if there had not been any resistance there would not have been any persistence and I just I just think Christ followers we need to be persistent not give up times are tough and things will get even more difficult I believe that as the spirit of antichrist we learned in first Thessalonians is already started in the world it's anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christianity, and there's going to be opposition around us. But here's the question. Are we going to persevere? Are we going to persist, persist, even though we may be in the face of opposition? That's why I like these guys. I like these guys because they didn't quit. They figured out a way to get their friend to Jesus. And here, here's, here's something that I just think maybe... The Spirit of God may be speaking to some of us here in this moment. Some of us need to be stripped away of all of our self-sufficiency. I really believe that. I think we live in a land, we live in a culture where we're self-sufficient. We did that. We built it up. We were educated. We got the job. We got the promotion. And and we've pushed God out of the fact that He was the very one that gave us the education. He was the one that gave us a mind. He gave us the physical uh, ability. He gave us the spirit to do something. God gives those gifts. And when we take those things away from God, we are missing an opportunity, missing an opportunity to lean into Jesus, even in the midst of some opposition. Opposition and disappointment didn't stop these guys. And whatever it takes, we're going to get our friend at Jesus. Number, door number three is this, obedience. Obedience. They were willing to obey whatever the cost. Here here it is. Have you ever felt like you, I know I certainly have, been flat on your back? Paralyzed spiritually, paralyzed emotionally, paralyzed um, maybe psychologically, mental illness. Um, I think we've all at some point in our life felt like we were flat on our back. And so here's the question I have. Are we willing to obey Jesus Christ Are we willing to do the tough work to get to where God wants us to be? Um, Some of you might know um, the lead singer for Linkin Park, Chester Bennington, in 2019, he took his own life. I was listening to his wife's testimony. I mean, the guy had it all. He had a family, he had houses, he had money, money in the bank, he had everything that anybody could ever want in the American dream. But his wife said they didn't even know that he was suffering on the inside from so much depression that he just couldn't handle it, he couldn't see any way out, feeling like he was paralyzed, he took his own life. How sad, how sad that is, that that, man, I just wish that somebody could have got to him and told him that, look, Jesus is your way out of this, man. You may feel like you're flat on your back, but he is your way out. I don't know, maybe someone right now is lying on the mat right now, and here's the question. Jesus is saying, get up. He wants to do a miracle. He wants to bring the breakthrough, but oftentimes he's waiting on us to be obedient. And then the blessing comes. So maybe for some of us, we're stuck in the middle of an addiction and we're saying, God, heal me of this, take this away. This is just too difficult. And God is perhaps saying to us, I'll heal you, but I want you to go into rehab. I want you to go to AA. I want you to seek my face. I want you to do this. And here's the question. Are we willing to get up off the mat? That's what this guy's call was. And I love faith, man. Man, if there's anything God loves, it's faith. And right here, this guy was obedient. He was obedient to the call, which I love. Number four, door number four, and the last one here is Revelation. The last part of the section that we read here in Mark 2, 1 to 12, it says, they were all amazed at what Jesus had done. He raised this guy and everybody knew him. Everybody knew who this guy was because he was from the town. God wants to use you. I believe this. God wants to use me. He wants to use us in our most darkest moment when we feel like we can't go on, when we feel like we're flat on our back, spiritually, emotionally, physically, psychologically. God can do a miracle. It may not be right when we want it, but God can do the amazing if we are willing, if we're willing to obey Christ and do what he's called us to do as a Christ follower. And so he wants to, I believe, reveal himself through us. Revealing himself through us. Yes, even in the midst of our pain, our heartache, our difficulties, our failures, our mistakes, our wrong turns in life, God can use all of that. Man, I heard an amazing sermon years ago called God Wastes Nothing. Nothing is wasted for God. He can use anything. Even this guy who's paralyzed and can't do anything for himself. God saw their faith and he did an incredible miracle. So God brings an invitation this morning. So, so clear. This is decision time. Maybe you're listening to this or maybe you're watching this and and you know what? Um, I'm not sure. If if I were to die tomorrow, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd be with God. I want to be. I certainly want to be where God is. Listen, Jesus Christ broke through the mess. He broke through the roof of heaven, if you will. And he he broke through all of our mess to be with us on earth. And just as he died on a cross to, to trade our life for his life, he's raised from the dead. Jesus gets up through the power of the Father, raises him from the dead so we can be saved. And if we just believe and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and we follow him, He just says, look, to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave us the right to become sons and daughters of God. That means God might be knocking on the door of your heart right now. You can receive Christ right now. Believe in him. Ask him to come into your life. Tell him all the things that you've done wrong. Ask him to forgive you. And you receive Christ into your life, just like that guy on the mat. For those of us who have given our life to Jesus, I just have some tough questions for us. We were not created for ourselves. We were not created for our life to become better. We were created for the glory of God. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to His riches of God's grace. We were created by God for His pleasure as His workmanship. Is there someone that you and I need to help get to Jesus Christ? Someone who's flat on their back and we've been, well, you know, I don't really think that God's called me to share the gospel. I think that's a job of the pastors. Or I think that's someone who's more mature, someone who hasn't, you know, maybe. And we, we ease the power of God out because we don't step out in faith and look for opportunities that are there. Door number one shut. Door number two shut. Door number three shut. But door number four, man, through the roof. Nobody would ever thought of that. But I'm just saying whatever it takes, I want to get this person to Jesus. And so um, I just believe somebody's listening to this, watching this, who needs to look for another door. And that might be just simply, hey, I'd love to share something with you that's absolutely changed my life. I- I- I've-, I've been praying for you, man. I just want so much for you to know God, and I'm here for you. Living our life the way Jesus called us to live, and then being willing to verbally share the good news of Jesus Christ and helping people along the way by building trust and integrity and character. Letting them see the life of Christ in us. And it may take a while for us to get them to where Jesus is. But once we get them to Jesus, man, we let him do his work. And he is amazing. So I hope this has been helpful. Just wanted to let you know that we're real excited because on July 18th, Sunday, we are moving into our back into our worship center. And we just want to welcome you. If you've been away for a while, we'd love for you to come and be a part of us here at MBCC. Until then, we're always here at 10 a.m. Our new services on July 18th will be 9 and 11 a.m. And God bless you for being here. If this has been helpful, I wanna encourage you to send this out, maybe on social media and share it with somebody else. We'll see you next time at MBCC.